Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On the two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now I wanted to speak on this commandment from Jesus that he gave, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Because like in my last episode, this, you know, where I spoke about a verse where people talk about the judging and you get that, you hear that quoted at Christians a lot. This is another verse I think that you get here quoted at Christians a lot of times and just get here quoted in general by Christians as well. And it's typically the second part where you're, you know, loving your neighbor. And I do think it's quoted correctly, but I also think there's some times where it's not quoted correctly. You know, there's two parts to this verse, and the second one where it talks about loving your neighbor, you know, is the one we hear the most. But I want to talk about the first part at first, because it's really the most important commandment, which is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, all your mind. So how do we fully love God? Well, at the end of this little section of verses, we can see that the whole law and prophets depend on on these commands, the commands to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor. So we can ascertain from that that following God's law is a surefire way of showing your love for the Lord. You know, if you want to show that you love the Lord, he's explicitly told us how to follow him, what not to do, what to do. So to follow that would be a great way of showing that you love him. Because, you know, the Old Testament especially is full of laws. That's what the law with a capital L is referring to. And, you know, it's full of those laws. And Jesus said when he came, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill them. So that means that the good natural order God created, where there's a clear way of what is good and what is evil, that all of that is still the same. The law did not change. What God said is sin is sin. Nothing changed at any point in history that made it where, oh, well, that used to be a sin. It's no longer a sin. No, sin is sin. Good is good. And so what the law says is sin is sin. We should stay away from that. We should do all we can to follow that law because that is the law that God created of what is perfect and good and holy. And we should just strive to follow that each day. We can clearly show our love for God and that we try to follow his law, that we do our best to seek him, to seek after him, to obey his law. Um, we should flee from sin. You know, we should never go towards sin. Fleeing from sin shows that we love God. Spending time in the word shows that we love God. How you treat other people shows that you love God. So above all things, we should look to follow what God said and to just show our love towards God and to do all we can to love him and just appreciate his word, honor his word, and respect him as the author of creation. And Jesus, being God, also gave us the commandment to go and make disciples. So I believe that is a way we can show our love for God with our whole heart, our whole mind and body, soul, everything, is if we love God, we're going to follow this command to go and share the good news, the good news of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, for your sins, for the whole world's sins, and then him resurrecting, him defeating death, coming back and abolishing the chains that were on 
humanity for all time of sin. He destroyed those. He broke them. He's a chain breaker. As you know, there's a song out there. It's a really popular chain breaker. He breaks chains. So to all to show your full love for God is to also follow this commandment of sharing the good news. And we love God just by loving what God loves. God tells us what he loves and what he hates, what he detests. And we should follow his lead in that. What he says he loves, we should love. What he detests, we should detest. We should flee from our sinful nature, turn to God, and follow him. That's the most basic way I can think to explain what it is to fully love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I will probably make an episode going far more deep into that. But that's just the, the general gist of it. But the second part of this verse is kind of what I wanted to talk about, which is the part that says to love your neighbor as yourself. How do we love our neighbor as ourself? Well, first off, to love someone as yourself, you have to love yourself. So, you know, you want to start out with that, like to see yourself as an image bearer of God, to see yourself as someone that he loves. God loves you, so you should love yourself because if he sees you worthy enough to love, then you shouldn't see yourself as not worthy enough to love because he finds you worthy enough to love. So love yourself. You have to love yourself before you can love others. But what's the easiest way to love one another? There's another verse, you know, the golden rule verse is what I think of, which is Luke 6.31, which says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Because I think I can safely assume that all of us want to be treated with kindness. All of us want people to comfort us in our times and needs. All of us want just someone we can have a good conversation with. All of us want just people to respect us as fellow human beings and if we treat others that way as if they are someone worthy of respect someone that we can comfort someone that we can just treat with kindness treat them that way and you want people to treat you the same way and that's a really simplified version of how you can love your neighbor as yourself but there is more to that there's more than just being nice to people to love someone is to love their soul And this is where I think the world tries to use this verse against us Christians because they will say, oh, you're not loving me. You're not uh, acting in love because you're speaking against this sin. You're speaking against what I think is okay to do, and that makes you not loving me. But that's a false statement because to speak against sin is the ultimate form of love, in my opinion, because as Christians, we believe in heaven. I mean, that's very clear. That's what we are striving for in Christ is that we will be in heaven to worship God for all eternity. But to believe in heaven means you also have to believe in hell. And I believe in both. I think the Bible is very clear that both are real. So if we believe in heaven and if we believe in hell, there's a way people go to hell. And it's the the broad path, as the Bible puts it. No, the narrow path is heaven. The broad, easy path is hell. And for someone to be dead in their sin and to be without Christ that means they're on a path for an eternity in hell. So out of my love for my neighbor, for my fellow man, my fellow brother and sister, I don't want them to spend eternity in hell. And I don't think anybody wants anyone to spend time in hell. I mean, you know, it's kind of haphazardly thrown around when people say like to someone evil, they'll be like, oh, there's a special place in hell for them or something like that. But even that, we should, no matter how evil someone is, we like if we understand what hell is, We should not want them to do that. We should want them to find Jesus. We should want them to change their ways and have that life that leads to eternal happiness, eternal joy, eternal salvation in heaven with Christ. And so to warn someone of the impending doom of hell 
that is such a high level, if not the ultimate level of love you can have for someone else. And so I think it's perfectly the right thing to do to tell someone they're living in sin, to call out their sin, to help them. You know, we need to do it in love. We need to lovingly tell them, you know, they'll just go at them screaming, you're going to hell for this and then run away. Like, have a talk with them. Say, hey, what you're doing is leading to this. And they may not want to change. They may still see you as just this hateful Christian. But out of the love of your heart, you should want to tell people that their ways are leading to death, that they are living a sinful life so that they can see and change. And we don't do this to elevate ourselves. We don't do this to say like, oh, look, I'm better than you because I'm not doing these sins because we can't be elevated. Only Christ is elevated. We are only even given the opportunity to be in eternity with God in Christ because of Jesus, because of what he did. Nothing we did is getting us to heaven. Nothing we did earned us anything. We are not righteous in ourselves. But because of Christ, we have that thing, that opportunity to be in heaven to worship God for all of eternity. So we don't do this to elevate ourselves. We do this to elevate Christ, to let people know that there is this truth. And so we tell people about this stuff because if we don't, the other path is hell. I mean, we're not the ones who do the saving, but as I said earlier, Jesus commanded us to go and tell people. So we are to go and tell people so that they can hear God's word and let God's word do the work. And to not tell them of this is to just allow them to stay on this path that leads to hell. Because think about it like this. It's a good analogy. A parent loves their child, you know, through and through, no matter if a parent or if a child does good or bad, you know, a parent may be disappointed, maybe upset, but they're going to love that child and they're going to do whatever they can out of love to help this child. So if they see their child is about to run straight in front of, you know, moving car traffic, the parent's going to start yelling and screaming to stop. And if the kid doesn't stop, they're even going to run out there, push the kid out of the way so they don't get hit by the car. And yeah, in that moment, the kid may not like being yelled at. You know, no kid likes being yelled at no matter what they're being yelled at for. It's scary to kids when they hear screaming. And especially like depending on the age of the kid, they think they know everything anyway. So they're not going to like being yelled at. And this kid may even possibly be hurt. You know, when you push them out of the way, they may get scuffed up when they don't get like when they hit the ground because of, you know, concrete and all that. So the kid may be hurt, maybe scared because of your actions to save their life. But that's the part that matters. They're still alive. And this loving thing that you did to save this kid may cause mild discomfort in that moment for this child. But in the grand scheme of things, they're going to be thankful that you saved their lives. And we can think about the same thing when telling people about their sins. It's not that we don't love them. And it's not that we don't want them to be happy. It's that we see the metaphorical car, which is sin and hell, driving straight towards them. And we want them to move out of the way so that they can live. You know, they may be in this lifetime upset, or at least at first be upset that you did all this to them. But once they see the truth of what you saved them from, what you helped them, or what Jesus saved them from, but you helped them see, like they understand why you did all that for them in the long run, they're going to be thankful. They're going to be thankful that their sin was called out because it brought them to life in Christ. So if you're telling the gospel and people are offended about it and say you're not acting in love, remember that our definition of love is based off the truth that God laid out. Our, our definition of love is not based off what the world says love is because what the world says love is is very distorted. It doesn't even come close to what actual love is. It's, it's very much just like 
anarchy. I mean, is the the best word to sum up what the world's definition of love has now become. It's very selfish, which the Bible clearly says love is not selfish. But the world the world vision of love is very selfish and based off everyone creating their own truth. But the truth was created far before any of us lived. God created the truth. God knows truth. And our definition of love is to be based off God's truth. The truth that is to honor God, to honor his law, and the truth about what the result of not following him is. The result of not following him is eternity. Not just a week, not just a few years, eternity, forever and always, separated from him in hell. That is the truth, and that is why out of love, we tell people things. We tell people about their sin. We act out of a love for them of not wanting to see them perish. So never be afraid to tell people about and call people out about their sin. Like that is a loving act. That is an ultimate form of love because you see the grand picture of eternity and not just in that moment. So love God above all things and his truth will have you act in true, pure, godly love in all things. If you've got your mind, your heart, your soul set on God, you will be able to have true godly love in all that you do because you will see the big picture you will see through god's eyes god sees in the big eternity picture we we can try to from time to time but we're going to fail a lot because we're finite beings looking at a timeline that is very short of our own lives our own lives but god has the big picture and if we're acting in love towards god following his truth his rules his holiness his perfectness it will spread out in all that we do and we will be able to love him and love our neighbor accurately but that's just my take and i'm not a pastor